Hello, welcome to Sharpest Knives Podcast, Episode 9. This episode is with Bailey Engberg and is the first episode of Sharpest Knives where the focus isn't in arts and arts organizations, but it is culture. So we're, we're leaning into the culture part of arts and culture. Um, specifically, I mean coffee culture in Seattle and along the West Coast. Bailey is the first female coffee roaster at Delano's Coffee Roasters in Tacoma, Washington. She's the director of marketing and engagement at an organization called She's the Roaster, which has programming for women to get professional coffee roasting experience. And she is a member of the Glitter Cat class of 2020. Next, I have a plug. If you're listening on the day that this comes out, this weekend, November 15th and 16th, is Coffee Fest PNW in Tacoma. So if you're at Coffee Fest this weekend, Sprudge's 10-year anniversary party is being co-hosted by Lift Bridge and Camber Coffee in Tacoma. It is at Lift Bridge Coffee in Tacoma on Friday night, and the party is free. There will be cocktails including Oatly Oat Milk White Russians, a raffle with proceeds going to Finca La Herencia to help build their farm, and prizes from Baratza Grinders, Coffee People G- Coffee People Zine, She's the Roaster, and Akaya, to name a few. Last, the new She's the Roaster shirts that Bailey mentions in our conversation are out. They're really cute. They're purple. Um, so you can find She's the Roaster and buy swag at she's the roaster.org and find them at She's the Roaster on Instagram. Bailey was kind enough to invite me to her house, a stranger. We have mutual friends through coffee, but we had never met in person before. So Bailey and I talk about getting her start in drive through coffee stands, the value of building a culture around open conversations and mentorship, her experiences working as a woman in an industry dominated by men. So without further ado, enjoy! Hello! Welcome to Sharpest Knives Podcast. I'm Maris Antolin, and I'm here with Bailey Engberg today. Bailey Engberg is a coffee roaster living in Tacoma, Washington. After working in barista and management positions in cafes, Bailey began her roasting career at Valhalla Coffee Roasters in Tacoma, Washington. She now roasts for Delano's Coffee Roasters and is the Director of Marketing and Engagement at She's the Roaster, an organization whose mission is to promote and encourage self-identifying women in the coffee industry to become professional coffee roasters. And if that wasn't enough, Bailey is also a visual artist. Bailey, welcome to my show. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So I cobbled this bio together from your LinkedIn and from Googling you. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, And I'm wondering what's missing or anything that isn't like maybe allowed in like a professional bio that you want to, that you want the people to know about you. (laughs) It can be simple. Like I love my dog Baron or, (laughs) you know, true. Yeah. It's totally true. Yeah. Um, No, I think one of the more important things about my professional bio is uh, starting a drive through um, in the Puget Sound area, like specialty coffee really didn't hit here. I feel like, I mean, it got serious for me, I would say in like 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I'd been working before that for like five years in, co- 
in coffee in the area. In drive throughs Yeah. I mean, like, you can't go two blocks without finding a drive through here. It um, is actually crazy once you leave Seattle how many <laughs> drive throughs there are. And now I roast all their coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, drive throughs are kind of a wild concept, though. Like, I guess the most comparable thing would be, like, in the Midwest, like, the drive through liquor stores. You know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird idea. But you're yeah. in this box, right? And, like, they're usually not plumbed out. I mean, the owners, usually it's their fourth side gig. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Turnover rate, super high. I mean, it's just, it's a weird culture. And I mean, people in their cars alone, like the safety hazards of that. I mean, <laughs> back then, you know, it wasn't as risky to work in those, but I definitely feel like, you know, now looking back at it, I'm like, that's a whole industry, you know? Yeah. So it's cool to be where I am now, but I mean, I think me kind of getting into coffee was through drive through And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Being young, <laughs> you're like, so where funny. do I work? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, it's so silly, but I didn't even think about that because it is just like so separated to me from what I think of as like Seattle and Seattle area coffee culture, but drive throughs <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. I did drive throughs And then I remember my first cafe where I was like, wait, you guys have food? Like, <laughs> yeah. you have a panini press? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then, and then with that, you end up getting into, you know, craft coffee and latte art. And yeah. I mean, honestly, like customer interactions, because people are hanging out now, it's no longer a, you know, two minute interaction. Okay. Drive safe. Bye. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the only part missing from my bio. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I have more questions. So you had, I assume you like still had regulars like you would, Sure. At a normal coffee shop. But also, like, if you are in a shop and a regular comes up in a physical shop where people, humans can stand, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um, when, like, a regular comes up and you're chatting with them, they can, like, move to the side and you can continue to chat with them while you make other drinks. But at a drive up, no, like, there's like honking occurring. Yeah. How do yeah. you get somebody to move their car? Yeah. So when you think you're like, uh, excuse me, sir, can you please move along? Right. Like, no, it's, yeah. it's a, it's just a really weird dynamic. And it's, I mean, you know, you can make the argument. It's not even really coffee. I mean, it is pretty, I mean, Starbucks is a lot more impressive than drive through coffee nowadays. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, yeah, those interactions are weird and it's more just like the culture of it all. Like, you're not close with your team. You have, I mean, people come and go on a whim. You have people just not show up. Um, a lot of it is just the way that it's set up in general. Like there was one shop I worked in where I was like, we had a coffee flavored coffee syrup. What is that? (laughs) And I remember this customer. Oh, it was terrible. She was, uh, she asked me, this is, should not be bashing old customers on this. Um, (laughs) she'd asked me for a, coffee flavored latte. And so I was like, okay, so like a latte and I made her a latte and she like, there was this almost, it wasn't even a language barrier. It was like, neither of us were really connecting on this. And I go, I'm sorry. I just don't understand what you're asking for. And she goes, there's a syrup. It's a coffee flavored syrup. I want that (laughs) in steamed milk. And I was like, okay, all right. Nobody would make that correlation. No. (laughs) Wait, did she also want the espresso? No. Oh, see, she just that... wanted a coffee flavor steamer. Yeah. That... Oh, no. <laughs> I 
I would have done the same thing you did. Absolutely. I don't understand. No. <laughs> weird interactions, just weird. But yeah, there's over 200 flavors in that shop and you couldn't even move around without hitting one of them. Um, there was a gray water tank I'll never forget. <laughs> I wrote, yeah, there's, there's oh somewhere, gosh. somewhere there's a bio or an interview or something where I talk about this gray water tank. I think I've <laughs> talked about it. It was my first job. So that's probably why I remember it the most, but yeah. I was vegetarian at the time and it was in a, a discount grocery parking lot. Like it, it was called Zars, <laughs> but if somebody's not a local, I guess it's kind of like a step below grocery outlet. Oh, okay. Like $2 Chinese buffet. Okay. Okay. So they had a butcher <laughs> section and me being vegetarian, I have to take this little like trolley cart with this giant, like, I don't know, it's probably a 10 gallon, like wastewater tank. Oh, so we're talking okay. like dirty water, bleach, puro calf, um, milk. Yeah. Just that kind of thing. But you'd have to take it and wheel it into this grocer's butcher section and oh. dump it down the butcher's sink. So there's like whatever animal parts are in there for the day. And I just remember watching like milk and that smell and all of it and being like, I don't know if I ever want to do this again in my life. <laughs> I think that I like that. That was the only moment I was like, I probably want to get out of coffee. This <laughs> if, was a, if coffee is this, <laughs> this was horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those experiences. And now, you know, you walk into a shop and it's just like a state of the art establishment. It's, I mean, just the way, I don't know if it's my career or coffee in general is just kind of transitioned, but mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a kind of typical first like teenage job. Like who was trusting teenagers to go take a gray water tank, like wheel a gray water tank across a parking lot. Absolutely. And then like, if you had a busy day and you forgot to do it the night before or something like, oh, yeah, no. just awful. That's bad. Drives your coffee guys. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Anymore. <laughs> um, well, this, uh, transitions perfectly into my next question. So you started working in coffee as a service worker. Your first job was not incredibly appealing, nope. but what made you decide to continue working in the coffee industry? Um, and especially what made you continue wanting to work in it like behind bar or as a service worker? I think, um, so yeah, I talk about when stuff changed for me professionally and it's so yeah, yeah. Like drive throughs And then I got a couple cafes. I was probably man, 18, 17, probably by then. And the cafes were cool. Um, they, you know, they still kind of had the drive-through vibe. They weren't like some booming downtown city one, you know, mm -hmm. they weird suburb cafes. And, uh, I don't know, getting good at coffee. That's, that's probably when it started mattering to me. Let's say that I wasn't good. I couldn't do latte art. I would, had no idea how to like weigh an espresso shot. Um, I moved to Boston after that. And the shop I worked at in Boston, that's when I came back back to Seattle area, Boston kind of changed it. It was these two shop owners and they had a shop on Newberry street, which is like Boston's Rodeo drive. Um, okay. <laughs> they were so rad. There were these, these two lesbian women and they were just so perfect. I, they thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And they just, they let me, uh, do the drink specials. I remember doing, bringing like cardamom in, like we were doing some weird brew method stuff. Like I kind of just geeked with them. And I think it was the difference is when somebody wants you to geek out with them. Yes. 
you know, when somebody like kind of takes you under the wing and they're like, no, whatever you want to try or do, like, I support you. I'm interested. Uh, so for, you know, for whatever reason, I, I'm so not East coast. I moved back to the West coast in like less than a year. Um, <laughs> could not get back fast. Boston enough. is hard. Boston's it's, a it's fun, but I'm like, yeah. show me a tree. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when I came back, uh, that's when, that's when everything got really serious and, you know, the latte art thing kicked in, weighing my shots kicked in, training people came, uh, you know, managing people that, I mean, I'd done that a little bit before I left and for longer before I left, but it kind of, it was no longer like me signing your paychecks and making your schedule. It was kind of like a lot of culture Mm -hmm. and like caring for people on like an interpersonal level between work and home. And yeah, after being behind a bar like that, I kind of got a breath of fresh air doing like trainings and deliveries and, um, yeah, then I didn't want to be behind a bar anymore. <laughs> um, I miss people all the time, though, even roasting. Like, you know, a tour comes in. I'm almost like a puppy hi. in a shelter. Yeah. Hi, yeah. <laughs> like, hi touch me, please. <laughs> Can I help you? Do you have questions? Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of turned into a monster when that happened. <laughs> I just really miss, like, the casual talking to people and listening to my friends' stories in the customer service industry still. I'm like... They'll tell me a bad experience. I'm like, I kind of miss that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's that I haven't been in it so long that I think I would handle it differently or like with some attitude, but I don't know. Yeah. Moving at the time that I stopped being behind the bar, I knew it was the right move, but as soon as I did it, I missed people. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know what that means. That, I think that makes sense. It is like, um, like goodbye goggles when you're leaving a job for another job and you're, you, are fed up with the job that you're leaving and then you put in your two weeks and you're like, Oh, I'm going to miss that rude man. You know, like, Oh, I'm going to miss, <laughs> I'm going to think I'm about gonna it. miss how terribly this steam wand works. You yeah. know, like you miss the things that made the job unique or different or interesting every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, being a barista was, I don't know. I think, I think I changed a little bit. I, um, I used to be a lot more outgoing and upbeat and like, not that I'm a downer or anything now, but I think my dad did construction. So I was always kind of toolsy and hands-on. And I remember the job I worked at when I got back, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was constantly taking apart the grinders and cleaning the burrs, replacing the burrs, gaskets, screens, kind of easy stuff. And then whenever like boiler issues would happen in the espresso machine, I would like come in to watch the tech. Oh, so I was pretty hell bent to like get into that side of things. And then, I mean, roasting's not far off that. So it was kind of, I had to tinker and it, I became less of an outgoing artist and a lot more of a like back of the class robotics nerd, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So it just kind of, (laughs) kind of fell in my lap like that. And I mean, roasting's kind of the best of all of it. You know, it's, it's as much a craft as a science and a gal I work with now asked me about that. And she goes, so would you call yourself like a craftsman or a scientist or like an artist? And I was like, whoa, dude, that's deep. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> whoa. Yes. All of the above. Yeah. I'm like, kind of really depends, you know, um, from the second you get green coffee, you're a total artist. I mean, from the time that you pick a profile, you're a total scientist. And then if you can keep doing both of those at the same time, I guess you're a craftsman, right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. 
<laughs> well, you're honing what like you're honing what is in the green coffee and what flavors you want to get out of it in the flavor profile, and then you're repeating it, <laughs> which is like that's like a basic science thing, right? Like if you can't repeat an experiment, then what? Then you didn't do it right. Oh like you need to start over. Like yeah, yeah. and the, I mean. There's been days where I'm roasting a coffee that, man, I've probably roasted for two years now, you know, but if you lose your date on that coffee and I'm like, just go ahead and give me a blindfold, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to try this with my hands. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, It's good for exercise though. It's humbling, you know, got to keep all your senses working at the same time. And as much as it is fun to like record the numbers, like I'm not going to say it's a feeling, but it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like baking. Yeah, absolutely. It's like baking. Yeah, where it's the science component, but all the variables have to be correct in order to get to your desired result or flavor or, you know, like perfect sponge like on Great British Baking (laughs) Show. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Paula Hollywood, yes. Yes. Do you watch? I don't know. Oh, no. (laughs) We were watching, uh, gosh, my partner and I, we were watching uh, the U.S. Barista Champ videos. Because I was trying to explain, one, what I'm doing, but there's no roasting videos. So I'm like, okay, I'll show you the barista stuff. But just so you know, this is like what I do, but like on an, on the nth degree of intense. Like mine's yes. probably not this bad. Like I said, I've never done it. I have no idea what it's actually <laughs> like, but I know that it's not all that. Yeah. Um. So we're watching it and I, I show videos everywhere and they're like, oh, it's like the Great British Ring Show. Like, oh, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen it yet, but well, it's been referenced a lot lately. <laughs> if you want to feel really good, like watching a competition show, then watch Great British Baking Show because everyone, every contestant is so nice and they all become friends. And then the judges are, they're pretty nice. Okay. So it is like U.S. Barista Champs. Yeah. It's okay. like everyone is really like rooting for each other while they're competing. Yeah. I mean, and, like, the the judges are more, like, mentors. Where, absolutely. Like, they're bummed when they have to kick someone off. So, yeah, um, yeah Glitter Cat. Have you heard it? Have we talked about that? Uh, I've heard of it. Okay. So, Glitter Cat ended up... Um, typically, Glitter Cat was started just to kind of, um, let's see, facilitate, help, coach, aid, a bed, whatever... Um, barista competitors, uh, T Ben Fisher opened it up a boot camp per sector of coffee champs. Mm-hmm. So there's a roasters one. So they chose 10 roasters. I'm one of them, but the other nine of them, I mean, it's, they're my competition. And I don't think a day goes by where I haven't contacted one of them on social media or something. Like it's, yeah, it's kind of a wild concept of like, it is, it's almost like a big brother's thing. Like where we're all going to go to this house and we're all going to help each other, <laughs> right. but no one's going to get mad. Right. Like <laughs> it, Cause in the end it is all people like, like you were saying, like it's people you've known for years or like heard about for a few years. Like it's people like the coffee community, especially on the West coast is very small. Right. And like even even you were talking about going to the competition in Nashville and still knowing a bunch of people going there, like <laughs> the whole coffee, like specialty coffee community in the U.S. is tiny, actually, when you like really think about it. Absolutely. I feel I should kind of 
like give an explanation as to like why I'm asking you on a podcast where every other guest has been involved in arts in <laughs> Seattle. I wasn't going to ask, but I was. Yeah. But I think it's important. And the connection to me is not only that I work in arts organizations and also work in coffee <laughs> in Seattle, but also that these two, like the arts community and like nonprofit arts sector and also the coffee industry is filled with people who genuinely care about all the people they interact with. And like as part of that passion for the industries that they're working in, they like take lower pay or they, you know, like they, like the art sector and the coffee industry are both areas where people want it and need it. And, it, um, and also don't value it. Like don't value the people who work in it to the extent that I think that they should be. Right. And so that's the connection for me. <laughs> so they all go together. <laughs> so now. they all go together now. <laughs> But I mean, there's a reason like, like you were describing your first job and then you were describing working in and seeing like all the other aspects of the industry. Like there's such a wealth of knowledge and working in coffee, like you can get into the machinery portion or you could get into the roasting and tasting different coffees and whatevering portion or you can really get into like the like barista like um beat like beat crush the rush competitions or like latte art competitions there's so many aspects of how to get involved in specialty coffee it's i mean from like agricultural science to like uh like international trade to like green buying and development i mean it's even you know, we have an entire lexicon on, on flavor notes and profiles and how to calibrate and be a Q grader. And I mean, the food science part of what I do is so mind blowing to somebody as casual as I am, because I feel like it's, I mean, it's super interesting to me, but I'm like, these people are like trained palate robots. Mm -hmm. They just, you can't do anything. You can't eat spicy food. You can't drink you can't smoke. You just literally have to have like a virgin palate at any given point. Yeah. And that's your job. Yeah. I remember the person who I got my first like specialty coffee training from. We we were like doing a, a shop training with like 10 people and we were just like doing like fun whatever questions. And someone was like, okay, go around and tell everyone your favorite junk food. And the trainer was like, I don't really eat junk food because it, like, it ruins my palate. Absolutely. And she's like, I will eat, like, maybe a quarter of a bag of Cheetos and then leave it for a little while. And I was like, um, excuse me? You can, <laughs> you you can, can leave, leave a bag of Cheetos? <laughs> you know how I know you're an alien? <laughs> yeah. You can do that. You can do that. Yeah. But she was like, it's too intense a flavor. What's it like to have a child's palate? <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> Man. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and like knowing those people, I respect that you can, I roast something and you can pick it apart that much, but honestly, sometimes it's a pass fail system. Sometimes it's like, man, this is super fruity. What fruit? I don't know. There's like three or four in there. It's you. I mean, I can, you have to be able to do both hats. You have to be able to kind of geek out about what I do and, and hit those people. That sounded awful. <laughs> Don't hit them. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be able but, to like, yeah, meet them where they're at, but you also have to meet a customer where they're at, where, right. I mean, a lot of the time, 
luckily around here, most people are connoisseurs. Mm -hmm. So you can say stuff and they don't actually think that you flavored their coffee blueberry. They know that that's a, a note. Right. Um, but you know, you just, in the Midwest, even like you just got to meet them. Like, is it light? Is it dark? Is it kind of, is it sweet? Is it kind of like vegetal? Um, cool. That's it. Like pass fail. Yeah. Um, so as a roaster, I kind of feel like the food science is rad and it's good literature, but you just kind of have to be a human with it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you have to bring your humanity with yeah, you. Yeah. Cause you're just, your, your job is to make it palatable for a customer, you know? Yeah. And I think that as one of the most like chemically complex, it is the most chemically complex. It, I mean, it surpasses cheese and wine, you know, it's coffee's intense. So yeah. I think that there should be some kind of like a science behind it and people testing this almost to a beaten pulp. But at what point for me is that, you know, my job is to design coffee for a customer. Right. Yeah. Customer wants like the darkest French roast with like oils on it that like smells like fish. And guess what I'm giving them? <laughs> I'm giving you that. <laughs> I will find a way. I will do this for you. <laughs> I love you so much that I'll do this. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. I mean, even in working in a shop in downtown Seattle that sees like um, QEDs really close to the Space Needle. Mm -hmm. And so all summer, there's a lot of people from out of town. And it's most people's default to just say, give me dark roast. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> we don't have We any. don't do that. <laughs> and then, yeah, trying to describe or explain. Like, Customer interactions. Like a, yeah. like a macchiato at a shop at a specialty coffee shop is not the same as a macchiato at a drive through coffee place or at Starbucks. And so that customer interaction of trying to educate, but not over-educate and also still give them like trying to figure out what they want in, uh, in words that people who don't work in the coffee industry are not intimidated by or turned off by where they just go, just give me a coffee. Our, our trainer Delano's, she recently went in somewhere and she took a picture of this menu board and it probably, it was one of the couple things I would remember from social media in the coffee world where I was like, wow, that shop kind of needs like some merit badge for that. It was <laughs> on their menu. It was <laughs> the most novel concept I've seen in a cafe on their menu board. It said, if you don't see what you're looking for, let's talk about it. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I want to talk about it. I wait, Right. Because yeah. you look and you're like, well, I don't know. I don't see it on there, so I'm not going to order it. And it's just, it, it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, you go to a nice restaurant, and if you don't know how to read a lot of the ingredients on there, and you're spending like $30 a plate, you ask, you know. Right. No one bashes you for that. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do in the kitchen. You don't know. <laughs> right. It's okay. Back of house is different. Totally. Yeah. But like, it was just so easy because, you know, for me, I'm all a ratio. Like I want like four ounces of water or milk or whatever you're going to put in there and two ounces of espresso. Like if we're doing an espresso, an espresso beverage, that's it. It's a ratio. Yeah. I don't care what you call it. I don't care how you do it. Right. Like <laughs> two parts, this one want. part, this. Yeah. I'm happy. Luckily, I know, you know, a menu board well enough to kind of decipher where I fall in that category and how I should order that. But I mean, for other people, you know, especially if you just got it made for you. Right. Someday somebody surprised you. Like, how do you function? Mm -hmm. How do you it's, explain to somebody? You, you know, really like, hard. let's just talk about it. What do you want? I'll make it for you. Like, yeah. 
And it was the most inviting thing I'd seen. And I think that, um, you know, I don't know. I, as it's hard, it's hard being both sides of the track as, as much as it is in something I geek out on and my, my passion, my craft, my art, if you will. Um, I say that so facetiously. It's also, (laughs) (laughs) it's also, I mean, it's kind of snobby. Oh, it's super snobby. It's kind of stupid. I think that, especially in Seattle, it's intimidating. Like, even me as a coffee person, I've gone into a shop in Seattle, asked for a Cortado. Not been any more specific than that, because I basically know I'm either going to get, like, two ounces of espresso and two ounces of milk, or, like you were saying, like, two ounces and, like, three ounces Whatever it is, it's a small beverage with milk and espresso in it, and I don't need it to be more complicated than that. No. And I have gone into a shop in Seattle, asked for a Cortado, and the person taking my order rolled their eyes so hard at me, I thought they were going to get stuck in their skull. And I was like, I... How do you want me How to say that? How would you like me to ask you for the thing that I want? Did you tell them you were going to yelp them? No, I didn't want to be that person. (laughs) One star. (laughs) One star review. They rolled their eyes. They rolled their eyes. Those turds. Don't go here. (laughs) But the same thing happened another time. This is now just story time with Maris. Um, (laughs) I went into another shop and I had my own mug. And it was new, so I was kind of excited about it. And somebody should recognize how amazing that is of you. It was so, yes. Cool. I brought my own mug. Also, it was super shiny on the inside. I was excited about it. It's silly, I know. but And I just asked for a brewed coffee and I said, in my new mug. And the woman rolled her eyes at me so hard. I was like, okay, never mind. I'm not excited about anything Way to ruin the one simple pleasure you've probably had since you were five years old. (laughs) The most innocent thing that you love. Right. And so I guess the, the point to these anecdotes of mine are that even as a person who has worked in specialty coffee in Seattle specifically for four or five years... I still have terrible experiences being a coffee customer. And so I think that sign is really important. And also keeping in mind that like, okay, yeah, someone might roll their eyes at you, but then you'll get the drink you want. Like if uh, as specific as you can be, be that, and then you'll get what you want. And I mean, shouldn't we be kind of promoting conversations? I mean, I can't listen to another barista sit there and tell me how passionate they are and how much they love what they do when they can't even handle simple customer interactions like that. Yes. Um, it's, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of like, we're a community. We love each other. We help people, but like not the customer, but they do end up tipping you, you know? Yeah. The customer is very much a part of the community. Yeah. (laughs) And I think especially like in a place where a lot of people are doing competitions or they're more interested in the roasting side, then it's easy to forget that you're there to make a tasty beverage for a person. Plot twist. If you don't have customers, you don't have a job. (laughs) Right. And that (laughs) includes being a roaster. True. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have people to be drinking the coffee that you're roasting, then you're just roasting 
in a vacuum. Looks like I'm roasting French roast if you want it. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Let's move on to talk about She's the Roaster. Um, so I'll just recap their mission. It is to promote and encourage self-identifying women in the coffee industry to become professional coffee roasters. So can you talk a little bit about She's the Roaster and how they carry out their mission? Definitely. So um, She's the Roaster this year has been, let's see, because I took that on in April. I took that it's on. It's very recently. It's super recent. Yeah. yeah. So my mentor, uh, Jen Apodaca, um, let's not talk about Jen because I love her so much. I'll probably start crying. Uh, <laughs> Jen is an absolute superhero. Uh, so I met Jen when I got a She's a Roaster scholarship. Backtrack. Nope. I met Jen before that. Uh, I met Jen <laughs> at an SCA event, uh, Expo Seattle. And Specialty Coffee Association. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, I went to the Roasters Guild uh, annual meeting and Jen's on the board and ever, you know, and I'd been roasting for quite a while at that point and everyone's like, you gotta meet Jen. You gotta meet Jen. She's such a badass. You're going to love her. You guys totally get along. And I'm like, yeah, whoever this unicorn is. Um, so I go to this thing, right? And I mean, it's at the end of Expo. So let's just talk about Expo for a second. Uh, it's grueling. It's early mornings and late nights, schmoozing, and um, a lot of drinking. So at this point, me and my team have already had X amount of alcoholic beverages. And so we go into the, the meeting, and there's free booze if you're a member. So we're continually drinking. And I meet Jen and I'm probably the, like the biggest idiot. And I hope she doesn't remember this and I hope she's not listening. I <laughs> think I slurred my name wrong. I I just kind of made an idiot of myself and yeah. I walked away and someone was like, yeah, that was Jen. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Um, but yeah, I, so that's when I met Jen. And then I won a She's the Roaster Scholarship. Uh, and at that point, Jen and I have been in contact and I, yeah, I mean, I've, she's the U.S. taste cup tasters champion. Um, she's an entrepreneur. She not only did she's a roaster, she now owns Mother Tongue, which is her own brand. Oh, yeah. Um, she's like, I don't know. I have a lot of really sweet and daring nicknames for her. She's my fairy god roaster, but she's also <laughs> the, the warden of Pulley Collective. So it's a collective of roasters um, that are available for rent just by an individual if you don't have your own coffee roaster. Um, so she kind of oversees the Oakland location of Polite, not the New York one. So knowing Jen and talking to Jen, um, I go down there to Oakland in April and it was, I think two days before she launched mother tongue. And so she was in, she's never, even at her most stressed, she's not even that stressed, but she was, <laughs> she was second guessing herself on a color scheme. Let's say that level of stress. Oh yeah. Okay. Like it's yeah, like, <laughs> I feel that <laughs> it's like you're done and you know that you killed it, but you're just kind of like nitpicky and a little unsure. Mm -hmm. um, and the color scheme is going to make or break it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like all the yeah. months of hard work you've already done, but the color scheme <laughs> totally. So she's, uh, we go out for your lunch and she's talking about mother tongue. She was going to launch it the next day. We're talking about, she's a roaster and she goes, you know, it's just, I can't even keep up with it. She goes, the social media, the emails, like, I just kind of feel like I'm like treading water sometimes or drowning. And I was like, okay, cool. How do I help you? And, uh, she was like, just take it. 
And I was like, wait, I can't take the whole thing. And she's like, no, 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 it's attached to my name and, you know, my bank account and stuff. No, but she goes, just run it. You go get scholarships, you outreach, you do social media. And so that happened in April. Um, yeah, it's, I get it. (laughs) I totally get it. It's, I mean, I feel like I don't even do it justice. Like I'm not to the point where I want to be with it. Mm -hmm. Um, at least in like social media and highlighting it. Um, Hmm. I don't want to say this. I mean, it's hard. You're doing a full-time job roasting and also doing something remotely for a company, you know? Totally. totally. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of things about she's a roaster that like I have planned. Um, and you know, a lot of it is just like it's competition season. Jen and I aren't even in the same state. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it is like, you know, I get these ideas, I need her approval, but you know, she's like when I, you know, we were trying to do shirt designs when she was in Berlin at world of coffee, like, Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's, she's it's, in expo mode yeah. in <laughs> so, and you're here. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, I would love to turn it into a nonprofit. Uh, that's kind of the hardship right now with getting scholarship money. Um, scholarships are great. A lot of people seemingly want to throw scholarships at she's the roaster with the intent of like, it's not the educational side that is so expensive. It's the airfare. Um, right. it's getting people into these events. They're so inaccessible to, Anybody whose company won't pay for it. I mean, I think Coffee Roasters Guild Retreat is like $3,000-ish by the time it's all said and done. Okay. Um, Yeah. Lodging's not included. Your ticket's like $1,000 just to go. And then a flight wherever it is. Yeah. You're you're looking at thousands. Yeah. So to be clear, you're looking... You're trying to give money to people who are interested in like getting into these things, but don't have the means to do it themselves. Sure. So they kind of already roasting. Yeah. Um, honestly, there's, there hasn't been a stipulation on like experience for roasting. Um, I mean, most of these are catered towards roasters. So if you have no experience, it is kind of like overwhelming, I would assume. Um, I haven't really dealt with that sector of it. Uh, mostly looking at people that want to donate boot coffee, uh, just donated, this is the last scholarship, a coffee course, at their location, um, which is awesome. But then you still have to, you know, can an applicant do airfare? Right. And these are things that if we were a nonprofit, they're tax deductible on our end. Um, but unfortunately a lot of places, you know, if you own a educational establishment, doing a free class doesn't cost you as much as coming out of pocket. Right. And it's just money that you're losing because it's not a nonprofit. I'm not tax deductible. So here lies all the problems that we were yeah. constantly. So yeah, yeah, goals for the year were to get, uh, to become a nonprofit. Um, that's probably going to take a curve until next year. Um, a lot of the other scholarship opportunities, people have been really amazing. Uh, Texas coffee traders. Uh, that was a scholarship I won. Um, Beth from coffee, Texas, Texas coffee traders. Um, she just donated money and mm-hmm. was like, here it is for coffee roasters guild retreat two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, and that way it's so much easier for us where it's like, okay, your airfare, you're this, you're this, we're done, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's a lot more all encompassing for the recipient. Um, social media sides of things. Yeah. I took it on and she's the roaster had gotten a little bit of backlash in the sense that, um, well, one, it has a pronoun in the name, uh, she's the roaster seems very, I mean, 
seems like it's only for one thing there. Yeah. Uh, so saying self-identifying really opened it up, but it's been really hard to kind of play um, advocate for everybody. Um, I try my hardest, and even then, sometimes it's not enough. Um, it's, I think the big, the big part of she's a roaster. I mean, you kind of have to understand intention. And you can tell that it's an organization that is trying to help. Um, so is it really worth splitting hairs about? No. And Jen and I had a long conversation about that where she was like, if I could go back in time and like make it day the roaster, like nobody, you know, just kind of like try to redesign the entire company. Um, I would have done it. And I was like, yeah, dude, I hear you, but you can't kind of go back and do that now. You know? Right. Um, so we were trying to find ways to kind of include anybody that felt like it was for them. And I mean, both Jen and I have stories about, you know, it being difficult in that respect. Uh, so when I took on She's a Roaster, I met up with a friend in Oakland and they were telling me like, I've been combating gender, you know, my whole life. And I can't very well put on a shirt that says she's the roaster as much as I want to support. So trying to find a way to navigate all of that for everybody has been the biggest stressor of it. Um, But like I said, I think it's just kind of knowing intent and that Mm -hmm. everybody involved, I mean, Jen and I, especially, especially um, just looking out for everybody. Yeah. I, with that, I think um, a name change would be difficult. But I don't think it's impossible. Right. Um, it would be a lot of work. Right. But I don't think, you know, if that ever, like, came up again. So I think, like, I mean, I, I've kind of said it casually and I guess, like, going on a record and saying it's pretty nice. Like, I've I've kind of stuck with the line for me of saying, if you're using he, him pronouns, you don't get a seat at our table. Yeah. Anybody else, whatever else, great. But, yeah. like, the he, him pronouns, and it's not so much... I mean, men are always welcome at the um, Shoes to Roaster Cuppings, events. Like, it's really not a members-only speakeasy kind of thing. It's not the he-man, woman-hater. You know, it's none of that. Totally. Like, it's it's supposed to be accessible for everybody, but it's specifically highlighting and promoting women, self-identifying women in the industry. Right. And I think the distinction there is that you are creating a community that is feminist in nature. It is promoting self-identifying women to and helping them get professional training. And so anyone who wants to support that, no matter what their pronouns are, of course. Right. Of course, like you are included in that community. Absolutely. But you're not going to receive a scholarship totally. if you're a man. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, there's been uh, the last She's a Roaster Cupping uh, male came and like we all had a very nice conversation about it. Um publicly too and like you just have to have a code of conduct and yes. you just have to announce like hey safe space anyone doesn't feel safe come to me talk to me and i mean after that like everybody's a functioning adult yeah. you, know, you know it's people can communicate and use their skills like it's, yeah. it's not a hostile environment there's not bodies packed to packed like right you can kind of navigate like where your line of comfort is and i think it is imperative to have guys he, hims, whatever, present at these things because to make it so, I don't know, exclusive and, and so, I don't know, tight knit like that. It's almost, it's almost doing as much damage, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 
And I think, I mean, leading, leading into that, I think that it's important to make it clear that the coffee industry, like many, is very male-dominated. And not only the coffee industry itself, but specifically like roasting and behind the scenes because women are very good at service positions. And also, if I'm making a broad sweeping statement, aren't assertive because they've been socialized not to be assertive and ask for what they want. So like (laughs) say with that... I think that that ties into the mission of She's a Roaster and its purpose is that is to make a space for women to get the professional training that they want, that they might not get at their job where they work, a service job. Absolutely. And the uh, Facebook forum that we have going, it's it's really turned into a, an amazing safe space. Uh, actually, yeah. Primarily that, and I don't really run the Facebook side of things. It's it's a page. It's an open forum. Um, but it's been really productive in the sense that, like, what are some of the conversations that have been had on there recently? Um, talking about how to combat male ego in a workplace was one of them. Um, talking about, so I work at 4 a.m. at the latest. <laughs> so um, Jen actually had kind of posted that she's in a warehouse all hours of the evening sometimes alone. And it's just kind of, um, talking about maybe doing like a self-defense class. Um, like these are important things. I think, um, I mean, I, I think any self-identifying woman here can understand when I say like, how many times has it been like, Oh, well, I don't feel comfortable with you being there alone. Like here, let me walk into your car kind of a thing. And it's like, I appreciate the chivalry, like wholeheartedly I do, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I think I speak for a lot of women when I say like, you don't want to put me in a corner. Right. You know, like I'll yeah. say, I'll roll the dice on that. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the forum on Facebook has been really awesome. And the fact that those are the kind of things, um, that are coming out of there makes me honestly tickled. Uh, people looking for roommates at like retreats, oh, stuff like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Like, to share rooms. Like yeah. it's just kind of become like a really positive thing on Facebook. The Instagram side of things. I mean, I've been, I've been trying my hardest, but there's also, I don't know, like how much, how much promotion does somebody need? Like how much, what do I do here? It's every day. It's kind of a different, uh, yeah, it's a choose your own adventure kind of a thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram (laughs) is its own animal Yeah, for sure. And especially like Facebook is so much like the only reason I personally go on Facebook is to like, look at the groups for like the podcasts I follow or like organizations (laughs) I follow, Yeah, you know, like private groups where that is community building. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great that she's the roaster has that going on where people can like truly connect with each other. And it doesn't only have to be in person, like in Oakland or wherever things are happening across the United States. People can keep in touch with each other. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. More events this year. That's on the docket. Shirt design at some point. <laughs> I hope Jen's not listening. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> just don't send this to her. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see what it does. I, the other thing that I have been meaning to do is I just need to format kind of a cold call letter, uh, like almost like a call to arms. And I know Oatly's really big with helping on stuff. Um, I know Sprudge is a big fan of She's a Roaster. I have a contact at Roast Magazine. Um, so it's just kind of sending a letter out being like, 
If I use the term whoring myself out for money, is that bad? Can I say um, that on the podcast? You can say that, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, me whoring myself individually out just to get money for she's a roaster. So big, big picture for me is to get that bank account somewhere in the, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and kind of do like an origin trip. Um, I would love to take a couple women to farm. That would make me really happy. Um, Mm -hmm. doing something like mill city has been a total blast, uh, going to mill city and doing like an educational course. I mean, really that was one idea. I even thought about doing kind of like an open, I don't know. Hey, who needs what? Yeah. Hit me up, you know? Yeah. And just kind of like on a need basis, kind of look at like where everybody's at and what they're asking for, kind of like grant money and just be like, cool, you want to go get your level one roasting certification through specialty coffee. Awesome. Okay. It's like a thousand dollars. Let's make it happen. Yeah. You get yourself there. Here it is. So I don't know what, um, I just know that, yeah, I'm going to be trying to get that money. Yeah. (laughs) I, well, I like that because also you, you are, um, talking about like a, grant system that doesn't really discriminate like in terms of like need or like what people are asking for or things like that like it can be professional development is a broad category right and it can include like going to a place or it can include include like absolutely a competition buy-in stuff like that it can totally yeah do you do you need uh you have $14,000 saved up for a little roaster and you need that extra one grand, like hit me up. You need, I mean, uh, we get often, uh, oddly enough, not emails, uh, direct messages on Instagram, um, (laughs) from people trying to, what I had a Kenyan woman write me. She was trying to get certified, um, and just kind of trying to do the, um, I don't want to say down low trade of coffee, but was just kind of like, Hey, I'm trying to get into, international trade here. I'm trying to get certified, but if you guys ever need Kenyan coffee, let me know stuff like that's rad. And if, if it became like a monetary thing where it were achievable. Um, so I guess the goal, if I were to do grants like that would be, I don't want to just donate money and not have you get there. Right. It needs to be the last bit of what you need. Mm -hmm. I want to see something come out of it. Um, right. So I don't think that we have enough in the bank account. Actually, I know that we don't have enough in the bank account (laughs) to uh, get somebody certified to be a um, importer or an exporter. So (laughs) certifications are expensive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of like when it hits that international level of trade, I don't even know. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to get involved. (laughs) I don't think that sounds very fun. Yeah. I mean, even... I haven't taken the barista certification myself, but I've heard like kind of not horror stories, but I mean, it's so exclusive. It's like two out of 10 people will pass the test at a time. Yeah. And it's, a, it's expensive to take. It gets more expensive. Yeah. As you yeah. go down the tiers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I did my foundations roasting and it was cool. I mean, it's kind of your bread and butter. It's pretty, uh, actually really easy. If anybody's thinking about doing that and really wants to, you should totally go get your foundations. Now I haven't done intermediate and this is kind of where I get turned off to the whole system is that SEA certificates, um, at least for roasting, I think for baristas, it's, it's probably a little bit more novel. Um, roasting, I've never heard of anybody asking me about certifications. 
Yeah. I actually don't even know what the point of having them is. I actually did not know that that was a thing until just now when you said it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I think SDA changed the format. I'm so not versed in this topic, but I'm pretty sure that you can't just, before you could do your foundations, your intermediate and your professional or expert, I don't know what the term is for that, but your level three, you just do the three and then you were like a fully certified roaster. Now it sounds like you need the three, you need five total, I think is what it is. Oh, that's So you have to kind of cross train in spots, which sounds really cool. Um, But I'm just like, guys, you know how much money that is? That's, yeah. I mean, it's like a $10,000 certification by the time it's all said and done. And I'm like, for what? I've worked a ton of jobs and I've never heard an employer ask. Um, I've never heard anybody even brag about it. Like, oh, (laughs) guess what? Um, Yeah, I just, I can't. I can't support stuff like that in the industry anymore. Um, I don't know. Jen, back to Jen. Um, I was kind of freaking out when I saw her in April. I don't know what I was. I'm sure I could find any number of things to worry about. But she was like, Bailey, how long have you been roasting? And at the end of the day, like, you really can't put a dollar amount on experience. Um, Even if you're roasting the same coffee for 10 hours a day, like, you really can't put a dollar amount on experience and like nobody at the end of the day cares about where you worked or like all your medals or your foundations or your expert level. I mean, none of that matters at all at all. I mean, it's how many different roasters have you roast on? Are you proficient? Can you, can you profile? Can you cup? Can you, I mean, just kind of, you gotta put your hands on everything, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, well, we're almost at time, so I have just one more question and it's, um, anything you'd like to plug any like exciting events in Seattle or Tacoma area that are coming up or, um, even like other organizations or resources for people who are interested in coffee roasting that you didn't already mention. Definitely. Well, I mean, it's kind of like three for, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) to kind of all encompass, um, just like things that people should be Googling right now that are, I mean, luckily we don't have enough time for my C market tangent. That's fine. Um, <laughs> somebody should be Googling that right now. Um, let's also talk about, so coffee at large has been really big in Seattle lately. Um, everything that they've been doing is pretty amazing. Um, glitter cat, uh, T Ben Fisher is now, uh, made glitter cat a nonprofit. And just the, just the strides that they've made in, I mean, what, I think they became a nonprofit three months ago. Um, and they're doing like outreach they're for other big stuff, big yeah. stuff. Um, let's see, where else do I want to go with this? Uh, Kat Malheim and coffee people zine. So Kat, uh, this is kind of a selfish plug. Kat actually <laughs> subsect of, uh, coffee people zine has come out with drip zine, which is a coffee smut zine. Um, so I'm a big fan. Um, and then who else is really killing it right now that should probably get noted? Um, I think those are kind of my heavy hitters for that. Uh, Cascadia Roasters Championship is coming up. I think they've sold out. Um, and then Tacoma Coffee Fest is in November. And so Sprudge is having an anniversary party with us. Um, and then Liftbridge, that's who I wanted. Liftbridge is a cafe in Tacoma that is working with Camper Coffee and Sprudge and Oatly to put that party together. 
Um, so November 15th, if I'm right, that should be a Friday. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'll double check. Yeah. It. <laughs> um, but definitely if anybody's in Seattle or Tacoma, they, they need to be coming to that. That will, um, be amazing. We're doing a charity raffle. Um, there's a woman producer, Lucia out of Columbia who needs electricity and water at her farm. So all proceeds of the raffle will end up going to Lucia um, by way of Sustainable Harvest um, and Carla. So come and buy the raffle. Woo. Woo. Nice. <laughs> okay. Last thoughts, closing thoughts. You can say no if you don't have any. I don't think I have any. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. The Sharpest Knives podcast is created, edited, and produced by me, Maris Antolin, and partially supported by the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash sharpestknivespodcast, or find us on Instagram at sharpestknivespodcast. And you can follow along and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash sharpestknivespodcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and your questions and suggestions for future guests. Email us at sharpestknivespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.